0: How to see and share Jesus from all of Scripture, well, learn with us at the Christ Centered and Clear Podcast. Welcome to the Christ Centered and Clear Podcast. We are on week four of a series by John Aiken called How to Foolproof Your Family. And today's episode, we'll focus on how to train up your kids. We hope this will be a blessing to you as you see Christ in all of Scripture. Proverbs twenty two six: Train up a child in the way he should go, even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Hey, First Baptist Church, Naples. My name is John Aiken. I'm the interim pastor, and uh, you just saw my son Judson read the text that we're going to be looking at. He did such a great job, and I really appreciate that. So we're going to be in Proverbs twenty two verse six and this is one of those verses that has caused a lot of misunderstanding you know the 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 truth is there are christian parents who when their kids don't turn out right don't turn out the way that they want them to or they're not walking with the lord as they should and those parents start to feel guilty and they ask questions like what did we do wrong or what else could we have done or what could we have done better and for many christian parents the, the crushing guilt that they feel about adult children who are not walking with the Lord stems from Proverbs 22, 6, because it seems to promise that if you'll raise your kids right, if you'll train them up when they're young, then when they're older, they'll turn out right and they'll walk with the Lord and they'll be godly. And if you don't train them up young, if you don't raise them right when they're young, then they won't turn out right When they are adults. And the logic seems clear, right? If you have grown kids who didn't turn out right, who are not walking with the Lord, then the conclusion is obviously that you didn't parent them right when they were being raised. If they didn't turn out right, it's because you didn't raise them right. The logic from Proverbs 22 6, as we understand it, seems to be straightforward, seems to be clear. And so, added to the heartache, of having children who are not walking with the Lord is the condemnation of your parenting from the Bible. It's not just that your kids aren't walking with the Lord and you've got grief over that. You've got grief because it seems like the Bible is saying you did something wrong. Is that really what Proverbs 22, 6 is about? Now, one of the proposed solutions that people have when they, when they look at this verse and they, they kind of, gauge the experience of Christian parents. There are Christian parents who did their best to train up their kids, and now their kids are not walking with the Lord. And so the way some people approach Proverbs 22.6, or the way they approach Proverbs in general, is they say, look, this is wisdom literature, and it's a genre, it's a type of literature that that is not a promise, that it's a general rule of thumb. And so that's what people say. Proverbs are not promises, they're general rules of thumb. So all things being equal, If you try to raise your children in the Lord when they're young, usually they'll turn out right and they'll walk with the Lord when they are older, but it's not always the case. It's just a general rule of thumb. So my question is, can we fix the problem and can we ease our consciences by simply saying that the Proverbs are not promises? To be honest, I find this approach to Proverbs problematic i I find this approach to any of the bible to say any of the bible is generally true but not always true i find that problematic but i find it problematic in proverbs I, i don't think we want to say that you know proverbs 3 5 and 6 if you will trust in the lord with all your heart lean not on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him usually he'll direct your paths is that really what we want to say that if you trust the Lord and you lean on him and you acknowledge him, that most of the time he's gonna guide you, but not all of the time he's gonna guide you, that's not what Proverbs is saying. I don't think that's the right way to approach Proverbs. Proverbs, the the Proverbs are promises. I believe completely that this, this style of literature, these are promises that are generally true now, but are always ultimately true. Okay, Proverbs are promises that are generally true now, but always are ultimately true. And so you can bank on them. Now, what do we make of Proverbs 22, 6? Well, I think there's a different way to understand this verse than the way it's traditionally been understood. Okay, and I think what's happening in Proverbs 22, 6 is the reverse side of a promise, which is a warning. It's the flip side of a promise. And it's a warning to parents, if you don't correct your children when they're young, then they're going to be like that when they get older. If you let them have their way all the time when they're young, then they're going to insist on having their way when they are older. I think that's what Proverbs 22, 6 is about. If you want to say it this way, this is the, maybe the, the takeaway, the, the way to say it. If you let your kids have their way, they'll expect to always get their way, and then they're going to struggle in life. If you let your kids have their way, they'll expect to always get their way and struggle in life. You say, John, how do you, how do you get there? Let me explain. The English translations of Proverbs 22:6 6 always add a word that's not there in the Hebrew. Okay? Almost without exception. I've never seen an English translation that doesn't do this. The English translations add a word that's not there in the Hebrew. And so in the English... As we read in the ESV, it says, train up a child in the way he should go. Some translations say, train up a child in the right way, okay? But in the, in the Hebrew, should and right are not in the original Hebrew of Proverbs 22:6. 6. In fact, the Hebrew basically just says, train up a child in his way. Not right way, not way should go. It just says, Train up a child in his way. There's no qualifier of ought or should or right. The English translations add that because they think they're trying to aid in the interpretation of the verse. But I actually think it's better to let the text stand as it is. After all, the translation that we're given that puts the blame on parents doesn't fit with the rest of the message of Proverbs. In Proverbs, a person makes their own wise or foolish decisions and is held accountable for that. Nobody else is held accountable for your own decisions. The son in Proverbs is accountable for whether or not he listens to his dad about avoiding the gang or listens to his dad about avoiding the immoral woman. The parents, the dad, is not going to be held responsible for the decisions that his son makes. And so, yes... Parents are called to instruct and parents are called to correct, but each individual is responsible for their own actions. And so I think that the way that we've understood this verse traditionally does not fit with Proverbs because it's trying to put the blame on the parents when the accountability is on the individual. So if we take the Hebrew as it stands, train up a child in his way, and when he is old, he will not depart. What does that mean? mean? What does it mean to train up a child in his way? Well, I think there's there's two options that are acceptable options. I think one is better than the other. The first option is this train a child in accordance with his nature or in accordance with his bent. Okay. What what they mean by that is, and we know this as parents, every child is different. Okay? So each child is different. And so parents need to learn their children become experts on their children and then figure out you don't parent every child the exact same way. Yes, you treat them equally, but you don't treat them you don't parent them all in the exact same way. As my dad has said before, every parent's going to either get a low maintenance child, a medium maintenance child or a high maintenance child. And you have to deal with each of those different maintenances at different levels. Now, while I find that to be great advice, certainly we need to become students of our children and learn the best way to parent each one of them and, and, and tailor our parenting to their specific needs. While I find that to be helpful advice and an acceptable interpretation of the Hebrew, I don't think it's the best option because I don't think it flows well. It's the best fit with the rest of the message of Proverbs because Proverbs tells us that our, our nature, our bent, is broken. That our Hearts are full of sin and impurity, and so we need to be corrected. We need to be, to be shaped and to be pushed away from our nature because our nature is a sinful nature. Listen to what the Bible says in Proverbs 20 and verse 9. Who can say, I have made my heart pure, I am clean from my sin? So the Bible is clear that young people have, have sin in our hearts and need, be, need to be corrected away from that. Bruce Waltke, the great Proverbs scholar, says that the other six references to the youth, which is the word that's used here in Proverbs 22:6, the other six references to the youth pro- portray his way as foolish. Every time it portrays the way, the bent, the nature of the youth as foolish. Chapter 1, verse 4. Chapter 7, verse 7. Chapter 22, verse 15. Chapter 23, verse 13. Chapter 29, verse 15. Our bent is towards sin and foolishness. So Proverbs is clear, despite what Disney might say about follow your heart and follow your own way, Proverbs is clear, that is dangerous. That is disastrous. Following your own heart will lead you to death. Following your own way will lead you to destruction. Proverbs says, There's a way that seems right to a man, and in the end it leads to death. So like in real life, finding Nemo, when Nemo follows his heart and he goes out and he gets lost, in real life, he doesn't get rescued by his dad. He goes home with the girl from the the dental shop and she squishes him when she says fishy, fishy, fishy. Okay, That's what following your heart, according to the Bible, happens in real life. It leads to destruction. It leads to disaster. And that's why Proverbs says that God gives parents to young people so that they can correct them before their foolish character is set. So they can correct them. And so I think the best option for understanding Proverbs 22, verse six is the second option, which is a sarcastic option. He's basically saying, listen, if you let your child have his way when they're young, when they're old, they're gonna insist on having their way. Train up a child in his way, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. So let him have his way when he's young, and when he's older, he will not depart from it. If you let your kids have their way, they'll expect to always get their way and struggle in life. And so this verse is a warning. Parents, correct your children before it's too late. There are two other verses in Proverbs, I think, that, that help us understand why this is the best interpretation of this verse. The first one is chapter 22, verse 15. So just a few verses later, we see this. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. So you see it clear. Heart is foolishness. That's what is in the heart. That's what's in the nature of children. And so discipline, correction is used to drive foolishness out of the heart. That's why you need to correct. Or Proverbs 29, verse 15, listen to what it says. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Again, it's clear. A child left to himself, to his own way, to his own devices will bring shame to his parents. And so God gives parents the rod and the rebuke as means to correct their children. And so Proverbs 29, 15 is clear. Correction is needed. It is essential for parents to discipline and correct their children. And we see in this verse that the way we discipline our kids changes over time. We start early on with the rod, with spanking. I I do think that the Bible is clear that it commends spanking. So if you're if you're mad about that, you're upset with me, email Solomon, tell him how you feel. But these are his words, not mine. Okay. So God gives us spanking when they're little there was an old uh egyptian proverb that said little boys have ears in their backside okay that that's the only way that they're going to hear is if you apply pressure to the backside and so spanking is is given as an option always in moderation never out of anger never out of abuse or or trying to get angry with your children but simply to correct so they can understand right and wrong and then as they get older just the rebuke or the restriction that you by your words and by the things that you limit you're able to pass on wisdom to them simply by rebuke if a sign of wisdom according to the bible is that somebody can receive a rebuke and then correct their path themselves they're not even needing uh, some kind of a physical punishment just just receiving the words they're able to correct their behavior and so we discipline and we discipline in a way that changes over time and the reason we do that is because kids don't have to be taught to do wrong. I mean, kids, kids don't have to be taught to do wrong. I remember the story I heard from when I was a little boy. I was about two or three years old. I've got a twin brother, Nathan, and my parents were going out on a date. And so they had a babysitter come over. And, and so they're getting ready to leave. They're giving these final instructions to the babysitter. And, and she hears me screaming from the back bedroom. And she says, is everything okay back there? And my parents said, oh, they're... The boys, they play loud. It's no big deal. Don't worry about it. Uh, no big deal. And so they finished, you know, here's what here's where you're going to do for dinner. Uh, here's where you can reach us. We are, we are taken off. And so my parents leave. Well, the scream, I continue to scream from the back bedroom. And so finally, after several minutes, the babysitter thinks, well, maybe it's not normal after all. I should go check on it. And when she comes into the room of the, the door of our bedroom, my brother Nathan has my head stuck in our toy box and he's sitting on the lid. And so like choking me and, and, and crushing my head under the toy box and I'm screaming, asking for help. And he's just sitting there twiddling his thumbs and so she rushes over and gets him off and, and makes sure that I'm okay. Here's the deal. My dad never took my brother Nathan aside and said, hey, Nate, if you really wanna give John some problems and if you really, really wanna show him who's boss, stick his head in the toy box and sit on the lid. My dad never said that to him. My mom never said that to him. He figured that out all on his own because kids don't need to be taught wrong. Kids need to be taught what is right and to be corrected and to be shown the right way to live. And so that's what we're called to do with our kids. And if you give in all the time and you just give your kids whatever they want, whenever they want, you're gonna create little Veruca salts. If you remember the movie The Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, who just, I want this daddy and give me this daddy and I want it now. And, and, and you're immediately giving in to all of their desires and, and, and their wants for gratification. And what you're doing is you're doing a disservice because when they grow up, it's going to cause all kinds of problems. They're not going to be able to keep a job because they feel entitled and that they don't have to listen to their boss. They're not going to be able to problem solve because you helicoptered in and always shielded them from the consequences. They're not going to be able to delay gratification and they're going to want to immediately just fulfill whatever urge that they have. And it's going to cause them all kinds of problems. You have to be able to say no. And the problem is that there's so many parents who can't. Remember this article I read from the Atlantic years ago uh, called How to land your kid in therapy and i found it very interesting is it's an interview with a teacher and this is what the the writer says another teacher i spoke with a 58 year old mother of grown children who has been teaching kindergarten for 17 years told me she feels that parents are increasingly getting in the way of their children's development i see the way their parents treat them she said and there's a big adjustment when they get into my class it's good for them to realize that they aren't the center of the world that sometimes other people's feelings matter more than theirs at a particular moment. But it only helps if they're getting the same limit setting at home. If not, they become impulsive because they're not thinking about anybody else. This same teacher who asked not to be identified for fear of losing her job says she sees parents who think they're setting limits when actually they're just being wishy-washy. A kid will say, can we get ice cream on the way home? And the parent will say, No, it's not our day. Ice cream day is Friday. Then the child will push and negotiate, and the parent, who probably thinks negotiating is honoring her child's opinion, will say, fine, we'll get ice cream today, but don't ask me tomorrow because the answer is no. The teacher laughed. Every year, parents come to me and say, why won't my child listen to me? Why won't she take no for an answer? And I say, Your child won't take no for an answer because the answer is never no. Listen, parents, you have to be able to say no to your children. You shouldn't let them get their way all the time. You shouldn't leave parents of teenagers, you shouldn't leave your teenagers alone with their boyfriend or girlfriend. You shouldn't give in to everything that they want because if you can't say no and if you can't set limits, then the Houston Police Department along with the book of Proverbs, agrees that you're in for a life of heartache, and so are your children. I I, I saw this years ago. I don't know if it was really put out by the Houston Police Department, but it's it's something that says it was put out by the Houston Police Department on how to raise a delinquent, and I I think it's an interesting list. Let me share it with you. And it goes right along with Proverbs 22, 6. Begin with infancy to give the child everything he wants. In this way, he'll grow up to believe the world owes him a living. When he picks up bad words, laugh at him. This will make him think he's cute. Never give him any spiritual training. Wait until he is 21 and then let him decide for himself. Avoid use of the word wrong. It may develop a guilt complex. This will condition him to believe later when he is arrested for stealing a car that society is against him and he is being persecuted. Pick up everything he leaves lying around, books, shoes, clothes. Do everything for him so that he will be expecting it. Give a child all the spending money he wants. Never let him earn his own. Why should he have things as tough as you had them? Satisfy his every craving for food, drink, and comfort. See that every sensual desire is gratified. Denial may lead to harmful frustration. Take his side against neighbors, teachers, policemen. They are all prejudiced against your child. Prepare for a life of grief because you are likely to have it. No, parents, we have to be able to say no to our children. And it may seem harmful and it may seem hateful to discipline but Proverbs says it's actually the exact opposite if you love your children then you will correct them i remember my dad telling me this story when he was in high school he was out at dinner with several of his buddies and they were talking about curfew and so they were saying well i've got 11 o'clock i've got midnight i've got 12 they were talking about curfew and one guy at the table one of his friends said i don't have a curfew at all And all his friends were jealous immediately. And they're like, oh, that's incredible. I can't believe you don't have a curfew. Your parents must be the coolest parents in the world. And my dad said, his countenance changed a little bit. And he said, my parents don't care if I ever come home or not. And my dad realized in that moment that actually, instead of having cool parents, his parents didn't really love him. He didn't feel the love of his parents because they hadn't set appropriate boundaries in place to try to help him and to keep him from doing something that he wasn't supposed to do and what he, he didn't need to do. And so if you love your kids, heed the warning of Proverbs 22.6 and, and correct them before it is too late. Because if you let your kids have their way, they'll expect to always get their way and they'll struggle in life. And ultimately what your kids need is the gospel of Jesus Christ. They need the gospel. What your children need is not for you to just simply modify their behavior with, with bribes for when they do right and, and threats for when they do wrong. If that's all it is, if it's simply modifying behavior, then what you're going to do is you're going to create Pharisees who are self-righteous, or you're going to create rebels who, when you're gone and the, the, the treat of your bribes is gone and the threat of your discipline is gone, they're just going to rebel and do whatever they want. What we're after is life change by the gospel of Jesus Christ so that when your children are out of the house and on their own, and it's just them and Jesus, they'll do okay. That's what we're after, life change in the gospel. And Proverbs tells us in Proverbs chapter 23, verses 13 and 14, that discipline is evangelism, is a way of pointing your children to being rescued in Jesus Christ. Listen to what the Bible says in Proverbs 23, 13 and 14. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with the rod, he will not die. If you strike him with the rod, you will save his soul from Sheol. Discipline is a rescue mission. It's evangelism because here's what you're doing when you discipline your kids. You're showing them there is a standard of right and wrong. You've fallen short of that standard. You will be held accountable for falling short of that standard and you need someone to rescue you. You need someone to save you. And so when you discipline your kids, when you correct your kids, often I try to accompany that with a gospel conversation and to point them to Jesus as their savior. And I would encourage you to do that too. When you're correcting your kids, use that as a means to have a gospel conversation. Here's what you do. There's three things, okay? And I'll walk through this, how we've tried to do it in our house. One, you secure a confession, have them acknowledge what they did wrong. Two, you assure them of unconditional love, your unconditional love for them and God's unconditional love for them. And then third, you acknowledge your own sin and your own need of Jesus, okay? So when we discipline our kids, when I discipline Judd, when I have to, to spank him or, or put him in timeout or whatever, when I'm, when I'm disciplining Judd, usually I'll sit down and say, buddy, why are you in trouble? Okay, I'm trying to secure confession. Why are you in trouble? Well, dad, I disobeyed you and mom. Yeah, you did. What's that called? It's, it's called sin. Okay? I want you to understand, buddy, is that, again, I'm assuring, assuring him of unconditional love. I want you to understand that no matter what you do, mommy and daddy are going to love you no matter what. And Jesus is going to love you mat- no matter what, no matter what you do. And then I'm trying to, to confess my own sin and, and point them to the, their need of a savior in Jesus and say, look, buddy, I, I want you to understand when I was your age, I disobeyed my parents too. And so I'm a sinner just like you and I need the, grace and mercy of Jesus, just like you. And then I'll, I'll do the discipline and then I'll hug him and I'll say, I love you, buddy. And I'm going to love you until it changes you because that's what Jesus has done for me. And so when you discipline, that's what you're trying to do. Get them to acknowledge what they have done wrong. Assure them of the fact that your love and God's love will never change no matter what they do. And then re- remind them that they need a savior just like you need a savior. And that can help shape them in a, in a way that doesn't just modify behavior, but, but points them to life change in Jesus Christ. You say, John, what do I do if I've, if, I'm, if I've blown it? I didn't start with my kids when they were young and, and, and correct them. My kids are grown now. We missed the boat on this. Uh, I, I'm divorced. I don't get to spend as much time with my kids. My ex and I aren't on the same page on, on how to raise the kids. I, I'm part of a mixed family, and, and, and I don't know what my role is with the kids who are not my biological kids. And it... Wherever you are, wherever you are at this point in your life, the bad news is you cannot go back and change the past. You cannot do one second to change the past, and fretting about it will not help. The good news is that in the gospel of Jesus Christ, God offers you grace and forgiveness and to wipe the slate clean so that from this point forward, you can try to pursue God's design for your family. Wherever you're at, it's not going to be perfect, not going to be easy. Not gonna be, you know, just rainbows and unicorns. But from this point forward, you have an opportunity to pursue God's design and say, look, I don't care if my kids are three or 15 or 25 or 45. I've got an opportunity from this point forward to try to speak love and the gospel into their lives. And I'm gonna do everything I can to pursue God's design for their life. This point moving forward, I'm gonna love them in that way so that hopefully, If we heed the warning of Proverbs 22, 6, and we correct our children before it's too late, we can stand in glory with our Lord Jesus Christ and say exactly what he says in Hebrews chapter 2, here I am with the children that you have given me. Thank you for listening to the Christ Centered and Clear podcast. If you have questions or topics or texts you would like us to consider for future podcasts, please contact us at Clear at gmail.com. And please visit us at ChristCenteredAndClear.com for more resources.